1: This event took place in Germany in the summer of 2017. I was on a holiday with my family, parents and younger brother, and were due to stay in a small apartment for a few days near Lake Constance. After a long journey from England, we arrived at the destination, a small guest house with a few rooms and a separate apartment complex. As we arrived late, the kitchen had closed and we didn't have any food with us, so we had to skip dinner. We then went over to our apartment to unpack and just rest for a bit. Nothing seemed off about the apartment at first glance. Everything seemed to just be in order and it didn't seem to have any bad vibe at all. I did notice, however, that the cable connecting the TV to the wall had been severed, almost like something had chewed through it or something. I didn't think too much of it as the TV was quite small and there probably wasn't too much in the way of any decent channels anyway. Once we had unpacked, we went to the bar around the corner that was open late for a couple of drinks. My brother and I had left our phones at the apartment, so I went back to retrieve them from the safe. And this is when things began to get a bit strange. So, I went over to the safe to get the phones. I had operated the safe before and knew the code and how to open it. This time, however, it just wouldn't open. I entered the code and pressed the unlock button, but nothing happened. I kept repeating this and nothing happened and while doing this I began to get this feeling that someone was just standing behind me but every time I turned around no one was there. I was then overcome with this dizziness and almost an electric feeling as if I was being pumped full of electricity. It occurred for a few seconds all the while I felt as if I couldn't move and that someone was behind me. The feeling wore off though and I looked around to see nothing there. I tried the safe again and this time it opened. I went back to the bar and I told my family what had happened. They were a bit taken aback and didn't know what to make of it. We all returned to the apartment though just before midnight and that's when things began to get even weirder. So there were two bedrooms to this apartment. My brother and I were sharing one and my parents were in the double bedroom. My brother complained that he felt sick and he went to go sleep with my parents. A few minutes later though, he was being violently sick in the toilet. My mum was panicking because of the amount of sick that he was retching up. More horrifyingly though, the color of this sick was just jet black. He hadn't eaten much that day and he didn't consume anything of that color, so it was weird. But he immediately felt better after the ordeal and then we just all went to bed. Being someone who believes in the supernatural but also being fairly rational, I tried my best to reassure myself that there was probably just a logical explanation for all of this. This was made difficult however by the events that followed. So despite the windows being open, my room just felt unnaturally hot. The outside temperature wasn't particularly warm so I found this somewhat strange. Seeing as I couldn't sleep, I decided to go on my phone for a bit The Wi-Fi, which had been fine earlier, just didn't seem to work. Most of the electric seemed to work one minute and then just not the next, and it could have been faulty wiring maybe, but something just seemed off to me. I put my phone on charge and sat at the table across the room, and the overhead lamp didn't work at first, but after flipping the switch a few times, it eventually turned itself on. I grabbed the pen and the paper that was on the table and began writing out football scores. Not something that I would usually do, but I was bored and didn't know what else to write. After about five minutes of doing this, the light began to flicker though. I didn't worry about it too much and I just carried on writing. But what happened next, I will never forget. I began to feel just overcome by this peculiar energy. An electric feeling similar to what I had experienced early on that night. I was unable to move and I just couldn't take my eyes off the piece of paper that I'd been writing on. The electric energy surged through my body and everything around me was blurred out as all my attention was focused onto the paper in front of me. The writing and the numbers that I had written on the piece of paper slowly began to turn into a a foreign language. The writing was kind of Latin looking and was like nothing i would really ever seen before. I believe that it was possibly gothic script, a, a script that is hundreds of years old and was used in Western Europe. It was a surreal experience and I don't know how long the ordeal lasted but it seemed like a long time. I was dazed and confused, I didn't know what to do with myself so eventually I just went back to bed. After a few hours of sleep, though, I woke up to what sounded like a a low-pitched growling. Thinking that I was half asleep, I gave myself a few seconds to adjust. I realized that I was now fully awake and I could still hear the noise. It sounded like it was coming from under the bed as well. At this, I hid under the covers, trying desperately to control my breathing and not freak out. The growling didn't sound like that of a dog or anything. It sounded like something, uh, honestly, uh, I've never heard before. I was now starting to realize that there was no real explanation for any of this activity, though. This place must be haunted by something, possibly dark, and it wanted us straight out of there. But it was right when I was having these thoughts that that was when I felt air blowing on my feet which were exposed to sticking out from under the sheets. I froze, hoping that my mind was just playing tricks on me in my paranoid state. But I was wrong. Warm, damp air was being blown onto my feet from something. It was unmistakable, and it felt as if a a dog was sat at the end of my bed, breathing heavily on my feet. I curled up into a ball instantly and hid myself under the covers completely, hoping that it would stop. During the early hours, though, I heard what sounded like barking or something like that coming from right outside of my window. The windows were open in my room, and this was a ground-floor apartment. Eventually, I plucked up enough courage, and I grabbed my phone, put the torch on, and I ran to the window to see what was outside. I could still hear the barking and growling as I approached the window, and as soon as I looked outside, the noises just stopped. It couldn't have been a dog because not only did it not sound like one but it also stopped as soon as i shone my phone torch outside it just wouldn't have had time to have gotten out of sight as there was nowhere to hide once again though i felt a presence behind me i span around and shone my torch around the room hoping to catch something but i couldn't see anything it was now about four in the morning and Honestly, I just wanted to get some sleep. I was scared, but I was also getting irritated because I was just so exhausted. So I got back into bed and I just drifted off to sleep. When I woke up, it was late morning. Everybody else was awake. I asked them if they heard any weird noises coming from my room and they said that they didn't. My mum, however, said that she heard a growling and a barking coming from the back of the apartment similar to what I had actually heard she said that she thought that it was probably just a dog and she just went back to sleep she said that she also heard music coming from outside the window and it was a creepy kind of melodic sounding tune being played on a string instrument of some sort everyone was growing tired of the place though and we all decided that it was best to just leave and find somewhere else to stay my brother was still a bit traumatized from his ordeal the night before He was also alarmed by what I had experienced and didn't want to stay another night. The staff back at the main guesthouse weren't happy that we were leaving and demanded that we pay the full price. My dad argued that the place was in a bad state considering the appliances weren't working properly. He didn't mention the strange activity though and we eventually left that afternoon and found a new place to stay for the remainder of our trip. This place was bed and breakfast and was much nicer. To be honest though, we were happy to just be away from that other place. Unfortunately, the rest of the trip didn't really go to plan. My dad became ill and was in bed with a fever for a couple of days. He said that it was like nothing he'd ever had before and would have these hallucinations of the previous place that we stayed at. He also heard creepy voices talking to him and this subsided once the fever disappeared and he made a full recovery almost instantly, which was kind of weird. On the journey home, my mum was also violently sick, worryingly so, because this sick was black, the same colour as my brother's. I then began to feel really sick on the final part of the journey as we got back to England. Not long after we got back to our house too, I also had to run to the bathroom and was sick rather violently. This meant that all four of us had now been ill since staying at that apartment. I don't know what was going on with that apartment that we stayed in, but... It sure as hell wasn't friendly. I try and convince myself that it wasn't anything sort of demonic in nature, but it's hard to think of what else it could have been, or what it could have done if we'd stayed longer. My family is just as creeped out by this as I am, as are the other people that we've told. The only thing that is certain though is that we'll never be returning to that place ever again. So my dad has had several encounters with things that are not of this earth, as he likes to put it. He wasn't sure who to tell these stories to about his encounters. I haven't had any myself, so I'm a little skeptical, I must admit. But seeing how he speaks and what it does to him when he talks about it makes me believe him. Needing to get his experience out there, he has submitted MUFON reports and contacted others. And I also wanted to share it with others as he told it. So this one took place near East Prairie, M.O. on October 1st, 1987, the first day that he got to go bow hunting. With this encounter, out of many that I've had, me and Corky were going hunting. It was 3am, New Madrid County, M.O. My friend Corky was driving us, we were on a two-lane highway, it was a bright clear night and as we topped a hill there was a stationary object hovering about 30 yards ahead. It was three feet off the road and as wide as the road. It was about 35 to 40 feet tall. It was in the shape of a crystal faceted diamond that sparkled every color like a crystal when our truck's headlights hit it. We obviously came to a complete stop on the road but then we crept towards the crystal slowly. It started to move and we gave chase after it. It was a two-mile straight stretch on the road, the craft stayed about 10 feet above the road, and eventually we lost the craft when it went over the trees on the levee at the curve of the road. We turned up at the levee that borders the Mississippi River. We park on the top of the levee at the hunting area. As I go to exit the vehicle, I see out of the driver's window a craft. It was hovering stationary, eye level, opposite a small thin tree line down the levee about uh, 40 feet away or so. We observed it for roughly 10 minutes, and then another pair of hunters came upon our location. When their truck got close to us, the object just blanked out, remaining in position but darkened to have no visibility except a, a shimmer of a blur outline from the moonlight kind of. The truck parks directly in front of us, tell my friend sitting next to me that it's still there you just can't see it and that the other hunters will likely never notice it. We exit the truck after the other hunters. We get our bows and equipment out from the back of the truck. All of us move down the levee walking toward the wooded area with the logging road. The two others were about 20 feet ahead of me and my friend was three feet ahead of me as well. At the bottom of the levee I looked back and I saw the crystal craft has relit and is floating three feet above the cab of our truck, making the truck visible now. They keep walking and I stay and watch for a few seconds and I catch up to my friend and tell them to look back. He cussed me and said, I'm not looking back, I know it's there dammit, I don't want to see it. And at that moment, I looked back again at the truck and see that the craft has moved towards me, down the levee staying three feet off the ground. The glow from the crystal lit up the ground behind us and it made an organic sound like someone was softly going shh as it followed and when it was stationary. I turned to my friend saying, you have to look now, it's getting close. As I did, I heard a voice in front of us in the dark. The other hunter asked us which trail we were taking. As he did, I realized that he was looking our direction but... For some weird reason, he didn't see the craft. He had no reaction to it, so I immediately looked back to see that it had disappeared again. Then, as we got to the trail, my friend and I paused inside the tree line. I looked for the other hunters and see the craft is on the other side of the logging road in the tree line, following the other hunters now. The ground and the trees lit up while the craft followed them silently, and that was the point at which... I can remember coming from the hunt with it being daylight now and not even remembering going on the hunt. When we got back too, the other hunters had left and for the life of me I just cannot remember what we did during that hunt. It must have been about 10 o'clock when me and Corky got back though and this was just one of the times that I've encountered these sorts of crap.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I
1: Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. I had to think about it, but I believe that this happened in the sixth grade. It's hard for me to believe that this took place 20 years ago now. One thing that I don't remember though is what our science project was exactly. All I know is that I got partnered up with this little Mexican kid in my class named Brian. He seemed like a pretty chill kid at school. He was chubby, quiet and kind of shy. But when I went to his house to work on our project for the first time, he was apparently much more comfortable and seemed to be very outgoing. He made jokes and laughed a lot more than usual. He kept saying stuff to his mom in Spanish and then they would both laugh at me, but I never thought that that was really mean or anything and I would just laugh along, even though I have no idea what they were saying. Usually right afterwards, though, he would tell me what they had actually supposedly said. And at one point we were in his room and he asked me to go ask his mum for lined paper. I told him that I didn't speak Spanish and he should go and ask her but he said that he would just tell me how to say it. I don't remember exactly but he told me to say something and I said it and then I went to go and ask his mum. I knew that something was off right away though just by the way that she looked at me like I had said something really crazy. She grabbed my hand and walked me to the bathroom like I was a special little boy and once we were in the bathroom she pointed at the toilet paper with that confused look still on her face as if to say where the hell else would it be. I was confused and could only speak to her in English while she spoke to me in Spanish and we didn't understand each other. Soon we heard Brian having a hilarious laughing fit from the other room laughing so hard like he thought it was the funniest thing ever but I was pretty sure that it was only kind of funny. I wasn't worried though, and I just laughed it off like, "Uh haha, yeah, you got me. But eventually, he became really excited to show me something. He told me that he would be right back, and then he ran out of his room. He was gone for a minute or so, and then he returned, telling me to follow him, and he was so sure that I was going to love whatever he was about to show me, so I was kind of excited too. I couldn't wait, We get outside and he goes to this little shed and pulls out a lawnmower. He tells me to follow him and he started the mower, began walking and then gestured with his hand again for me to follow him. As we walked, we rounded a corner and there on the ground was a net full of frogs. There was maybe 20 or more frogs in there and I didn't have time to stop him. Right before it happened, we looked at each other too, him looking at me to make sure that I was looking. And me looking at him in just pure confusion he pulled back on the mower raising the blades and then let the weight of the spinning blades fall down on the writhing pile of frogs the mower bogged down for a split second and there was a sickening wet crunching sound followed by chunks being spit everywhere as he raised the blades back up he raised the blades and then let them fall on the pile of frogs four or five times all the while He was just staring at my face and laughing maniacally at my horrified reaction. He released the bar and the mower went silent as he crumpled to the ground and began rolling around in the grass just laughing his head off. A couple of frogs escaped without getting blended, thankfully, and a few more frantically scattered away from the mower missing a few limbs. I just kind of awkwardly laughed with him and played along like nothing bad had just happened. I never really get disgusted to the point of throwing up, and it's actually hard to disgust me at all, but from that point on, I definitely knew that there was something seriously wrong with Brian, and until now, I've never really told anyone. I wouldn't say that I was afraid, it was just that I didn't think that it was a good idea to tell anybody what had happened. Not his mum, and not my friends, and not my parents, not my brother or my sister, and not even my best friend. I just didn't tell anybody anything about it, and Brian never did anything like that or mention it again. That I'm aware of anyway. It was just the weirdest thing that I've ever been confronted with. They say that it's the quiet ones you gotta watch out for. I haven't seen him since 6th grade ended, but sometimes I wonder just what kind of person that he actually turned out to be. This story was told to me by my mother one late night playing poker with the family. I had an aunt and an uncle there who also corroborated the story. Later, my missing aunt also said that it was true, but my youngest uncle remembers nothing of it. So this took place in one of the many houses that they lived in during the late 70s, as my grandmother was a high-functioning alcoholic. My grandfather was also a high-functioning alcoholic, but more of a loner type. Now, strange things started happening around the house, like light bulbs not working, being replaced, and then not working again the next day, but not looking burnt out. My mother was the oldest at 17 during this too, and then my uncle was 15, and my twin aunts were either 11 or 12 at this time. My youngest uncle, who is 4 years older than me, was 1 or 2 when this happened, and he kept waking up screaming a lot, and not on the normal whiny cry of a child, but... A really wild screaming, drenched in sweat type of thing. And then it began to escalate. There was a basement in the house and that's where my grandmother made them keep most of their toys. Like a playroom kind of because it was a full size basement that they didn't truly need to use for basically anything else. Eventually, my aunts and uncles would come home from school and find the room completely strewn about though. Not broken or anything, but just the toys were scattered everywhere. And so, they started getting angry at my youngest uncle, thinking that he was trashing it every day. But then they asked him about it, or showed it to him, and he just would deny it. Or how a young toddler would say, just no, no, no. Well, eventually, he stopped going down there altogether, screaming and such, when anyone took him down to play. For a visual, the staircase was against the wall of the living room, and not separated by a wall the basement door is on the wall the staircase comes from and it's close to the opposite side of the room. One day, my oldest uncle was coming down the stairs when he said that he noticed something out of the corner of his eye. He said that he saw a strange looking girl standing in front of the open basement door and immediately thought one of his sisters was messing with him. He said something along the lines of, what the hell are you doing? Trying to be scary or something? And turned on the stairs to squarely face her, but... As soon as he completed his sentence and was turning, she looked up at him and shot backwards through the basement door and it slammed shut. He couldn't recall details of her face, but he had a lot of details on how she flew backwards. He said that it was like she just went backwards, shoulders first, facing him without making a single sound and without moving any part of her body. He said that he was scared shitless, ran back upstairs to climb out of a window into the porch roof. He jumped down from there and ran to his friend's house where he told them what happened. He said that they didn't believe him, the parents saying something along the lines of yeah yeah if you have trouble at home you can stay and tell us what really happened when you're ready. But this is where the story gets even crazier because they went to the town library to look through old newspaper reels on that projection machine. I forget its name but it took three of them. One aunt wanted nothing to do with it a week to find an article. In the 50s, there was a couple that lived there, with a daughter that had some sort of a disease that made her crippled or deformed. And the couple kept her in the basement of the house for her entire life, due to embarrassment, I guess. But no one knew about the little girl's existence until she died in that basement. And they did a story about the mysterious deformed girl found dead it didn't even say what disease she must have had or anything but detailed everything else as the couple was in trouble. At first I had that shocked O face before sliding back to a slight grin looking around at them saying ha you all are just trying to scare me and well if I'm being honest it succeeded and then some as a week later my mother took me to the library. She knew exactly where to grab the story and showed it to me I was legitimately scared as I felt it confirmed my suspicions about the paranormal because I was a scary movie junkie. I just remember my handshaking as I was rewinding the film with the dial, and to this day I believe that this story is actually true, and my aunts and uncles will all swear to all these events to this day, and not even close to a joking way. Though one aunt, as I said before, merely lets the others talk about it, not wanting anything to do with it, so... I don't know, I believe it, and it's a bit of a creepy story. I was visiting my friend in Budapest that was working at a hostel. We ended up going out and drinking pretty heavily and meeting these two girls. We hung out with them through the night and offered to walk them back to their place. When we got there my friend who had a girl on lock was like, ah I'll come back with you Andrew. I just kept being like, dude you've got a girl that wants you to come up to her place and it's a short walk from here to get home, just stay he kept saying no and I jokingly was like well you can't leave with me if you can't find me and just started running away I'm a pretty stupid drunk I know that but it was funny at the time but anyways I ran for a few minutes and quickly lost my bearings had an empty wallet and no phone I just thought ah crap I'll wander spot a landmark and find my way home from there hell I'll sleep on the street if I have to I was walking for 30 minutes at this point, really, really drunk. A car pulled up and a guy yelled at me in Hungarian. I just replied, sorry man, English only, and I laughed. He was parked and I was chilling, so we talked for a few minutes. He seemed alright and was like, dude, I can take you back to your hostel if you'd like. I said yes to this and I went to hop in the back. And there were two guys back there that I couldn't see through the tinted window. These guys were both super tattered up and very thug looking. I was honestly just too drunk to run if they were going to rob me, so I put on a brave face and I got in. I'm sobering up really fast. They start driving and I immediately realize that something is definitely going on. Basically, Budapest was two separate cities on either side of the river, Buddha and Pest. We were on the Pest side with most of the clubs and such and we almost immediately crossed over and i knew that i didn't live on that side so i was kind of like uh hey man uh my hostel's in pest why are you going into buddha and they all just laugh and go quiet again finally the driver pipes up and says hey man no one knows where you were tonight what would you do if we tried to beat you up and they're all laughing I checked my door handle and it's child locked. I kind of feign being sick and rolled out my window, slightly leaning out, the whole time they're talking, saying that they could kill me and no one would even know, that I didn't even know where I was. I just remember looking at my feet and being like, if you guys try anything tonight, I know you'll hurt me or maybe even kill me, but I promise that I'll kill one of you with me. I swear on my life that I'll make it happen and they laughed. We keep getting further out of the city, almost to the point of no buildings. We keep going back and forth with the threats when we hit a red light. Everyone in the car was kind of at ease since they thought that I was too drunk to do anything. I leaned out the window, grabbed the handle from the outside, popped the door open and I fell backwards onto the pavement, rolled and just started running. The car was stopped for a second but I was shouting so they just peeled away. It was around 4 or 5am at this point and I find some guy playing Pokemon Go. This was like when it was peak time so there were a lot of people out there who looked terrified that this bleeding drunk guy is approaching. I explain my situation though and they're super sympathetic but they call me a cab and I take the cab back to the hostel. All I had was 20 Canadian dollars in my wallet and I beg the driver to just take it. He does... I get to my room as the sun rises, my friend asked what happened and apparently I just said that got kidnapped, uh, sleep, uh, I'll tell you tomorrow alright and passed out in my bed. When I was a little girl in primary school I was really close with a group of boys. We would play fight in breaks or pretend to be dragons and the group was quite solid. I was friends with a lot of my class in primary but I wasn't a fan of sitting around and talking like the girls did. My best friend or one of them at the time was Tommy. I don't remember too much about him but we had been friends since year two. We would play fight and he would add to ideas for my dragon club. I went to his house once or twice and he went to mine He called me thick once because I said in my woke six-year-old mind that there are no boy colors or girl colors and I could like green if I wanted and he could pink. It was a pretty normal friendship but then when I was in my last year, year six, my parents decided to move countries. On one of my last days Tommy confesses his feelings for me very awkwardly like a little boy would and I played it off just as awkwardly. I think in my memory that I pretended to say to him that I thought that he was talking about another girl. And while I moved, and as expected from anyone other than me, I didn't remain in contact with a lot of my class, including Tommy. Life went on as it does, I went through high school and made new friends. Tommy requested me once on Facebook when I was 15. He was using a fake account, which was a little weird, but I didn't think much of it. He sent me photos of himself telling me that he was trying to get into modelling. Not something that I expected from him, but I was supportive nonetheless. In fact, I remember thinking that he was kind of attractive and showed my friends for opinion. Besides that, though, there really was no more conversations with Tommy and we continued to just live separate lives. That is, until I moved back to my home country. I followed my parents back home after staying behind for two years. I was 19, turning 20, and was excited to build life back home. It had been so difficult by myself, and I had no other family in the country, and I'd just split up with my ex for four years. I was doing okay. I had gotten a new job, entered a new relationship, moved into my own place. I was starting to feel established in my life. I had met up with a few old friends from primary school, nothing too exciting, just more of where they are now type thing i just love getting to see who all these kids had grown up to be that is until i got a message request from tommy it was the same nonsense as before no profile pic no friends nothing on their account so i messaged back asking how they knew me sure enough he said that we went to primary school together the conversation started normal asking how each other were and what was new Then he asked me, whereabouts are you? Do you want to meet up? Now, there was nothing unusual about these messages, but the vibe that I got just wasn't comfortable. I said that I was busy and would happily organize when things had calmed down. He began to talk about how he wanted to go into working with cybercrime and terrorism, telling me to watch Mr. Robot and how realistic to his job that would be. I got busy and eventually I stopped responding. To which he said, are you going to respond or what? That bristled me a bit, so I replied saying that I didn't appreciate his tone. He apologized and in the same message, asked where I work and that he would like to see me. My bad vibes picked up again though. Usually I don't care about telling people where I work, but this time I made sure to be as broad as possible, saying that it's just in a shop in town, it would be cool to catch up when I'm not busy, I'll just have to check with my boyfriend that he's cool with me meeting up and instantly he got defensive asking if my boyfriend was in the country telling me I'm not property so I should do what I want. He sent multiple messages how it's beyond him why I would have to check since I'm not even married. I didn't respond to any of it but the next day he apologized and said that he was just jealous and depressed. I pointed out that it had been 10 years since I'd seen him, so his jealousy just made no sense. He said that it was my loss if I didn't see him, and I didn't respond. But then it was, I'm free anytime. I didn't respond again. And suddenly, he messaged me saying that he was going to hack my details and sell them on the darknet if I didn't respond to him. It was at this point that I just blocked him. I was rather amused at the entire situation if I'm being honest, but then I got a message from a random girl, obviously a fake account with no friends or photos bar the online selfie that looked like it was straight out of Tumblr or something, and the message read, You blocked me, you dumb cow. You know who this is, and I'll find you. I laughed it off and I didn't respond, but then he started commenting on my profile pictures, calling me a slag and a whore and all of that. Then came the multiple accounts, request after request popping up, all called, I'll find you. It was at this point too that I was beginning to get pretty freaked out. But for the sake of poor timing though, a silver beat up car started patrolling my street at night for some weird reason. I live in a complex on the third floor so it's a shared driveway and this car would drive into my parking lot, stay for two minutes and then just drive away. It did this routinely for a few days and I don't know by any means if this is Tommy or not. But the timing was way too close and it really did creep me out. After a while I didn't see it again so I assume that if it was him he must have given up. Either way though, every time that he's tried to contact me, I just block it. This was three years ago and I started college down the country. I was 18 and I was on Tinder. I never actually met anyone off of it but I would always just swipe through guys just to be nosy and see who was on it. I was swiping right on some and about an hour after got a message of this guy who according to his account was about 20 kilometers away. We made some small talk, it was awkward and I stopped replying. A day later, I got a friend request off of him on Facebook though. Mind you, I have a common enough name so it would have taken him ages for him to have found me. We have no mutual friends and my Tinder photo is on my Facebook page. The only thing that I had on it was the university that I was attending so maybe that's how he found me but I don't know. I then quickly got a follow request on Instagram and he somehow found my Snapchat username as well. I don't have it on my social media and it's a variation of my full name with extra added in vowels and an underscore. I was freaking out at this point because that was now a lot of information. I messaged him asking how he found out my full name though and he just replied with I think we have a connection, I really want to get to know you better. I unmatched him, deleted my tinder and blocked the accounts that he tried to add me on all social media with and after that it was quiet for a few months. I was staying in digs and was knuckling down as I had a lot of assignments from the get-go. This was towards the end of November. I had no assignments due for two weeks so I decided to go out with some friends. One of my friends stayed in student accommodation and the other one was commuting so she was staying with the other friend. I decided to walk back to my digs as my landlady would probably freak out if I wasn't home that morning and I really wished that I got a taxi instead but my walk back was about 15 minutes from the local nightclub that we were at. It was about 3am at this point. I was at the front door of the house opening up. The door was annoying as it had two different locks and had to pull the handle towards myself to help open it up. It's also tough when you're tipsy and trying not to wake up the family that you're staying with. But anyway, as I finally unlock the door, a dark car pulls into the housing estate that I'm staying in. It's quite big and has a big green area in the middle for children or people to play with their dogs. The car comes towards me so I quickly get inside and I lock the door. The car pulls into the driveway of the house that I'm staying in and just kind of sits there with the full headlights on. I'm there kind of shaking a bit too afraid to move from a crouch below the door position as there's frosted glass about halfway up from it. As I get the courage to go upstairs to look out my bedroom window to see who it is, the car pulls out of the driveway and speeds away. A few days later, I get a friend request from the creepy Tinder guy on a new Facebook profile as there were no photos on this account, just the same name. And again, I blocked it. It was finally enough though that it caused me to transfer universities the following year. And thankfully, I haven't heard anything since. I don't know if it was just bad timing or if it was that creep on Tinder that sat in the driveway, but it was petrifying nonetheless. I guess if you can take anything from this, it's be careful who you let in on social media or dating apps, and also what information you may have up. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality.